Welcome, everyone, to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter, and joining me, as always, is Tara. Greetings, citizens, you damn dirty apes. <laughs> this is a science fiction movie podcast. We talk about science fiction films. We, you know, we, we, we watch some movie, we get together, we talk about it. It's that simple. Uh, we started the Planet of the Apes franchise about a month or so ago with the original, of course, and we're here to go into movie number two in that franchise, and that is Beneath the Planet of the Apes. So we'll start spoiler-free, as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we go into the into the spoilers and start, you know, dissecting the actual plot details that you may want to uh, miss before you watch it. Uh, and while everyone knows the ending of the original Planet of the Apes, I feel like almost no one knows what this movie's about, unless you happen to have seen it, because no one talks about the sequels, really, so... Here we are, and we're going to discover... And we've both seen this before. This was not a first viewing mm-hmm. for either of us, but you know, I'd forgotten a lot of it, to be honest. I remembered some broad strokes. I did not remember what the final moments of the film were. I, I, I was legitimately surprised when it got to the ending, and that was the ending. Obviously, more than that is Pretty big ending. Yes. Yes, so we'll we'll get there. Uh, so, uh, where, where, where did we start with this, I suppose? I mean, basically, another astronaut lands... <laughs> And, and the planet, which I, mean, I guess we can... I mean, we're, no spoilers for this movie, but I guess for the, for the purpose of talking about this, though, we have to address the fact that the original of the end... or the ending of the original, sorry, did reveal a big thing, which now we're supposed to know throughout the whole film. So, spoilers for the, the, the first one, just in case. But we're on Earth. We know it's Earth. We're on Earth with these apes in the future. And this other ship arrives carrying Brent. His, his crew members are already dead. Oh, one's, like, dying as the movie starts, but... He's uh he's here. He's our, our our knockoff Taylor, and honestly, the first thing I suppose we we can talk about maybe in a minute after we get the general impressions is why we have someone who's not Charlton Heston for most of the movie. That's because there's, there's some behind the scenes reasons for that. So we'll get into it. Uh, but yeah, basically he he meets up with Nova and ends up wanting to try and escape himself, and they end up encountering a th- we'll just call them a third party, a third party. In, in the underground of the planet of the apes uh, another society of sorts and that raises some interesting questions adds some sci-fi nonsense to the whole thing maybe even some goofiness depending on your what? we'll get to it we'll discuss it <laughs> so that's the that's the gist of it i'm, I'm being very broad strokes here because I, I don't want to get into what the, the society that they find are because that's kind of a big deal and where the film takes a big turn so tara what is your general feelings? And given your almost offended reaction to me even suggesting that something in this was a little bit silly, I, I think I might know the answer to this, but what is your general opinion of Beneath the Planet of the Apes? You know, I, I think I gave Planet of the Apes, the first one, a 10 out of 10. So <laughs> it's almost impossible to follow up with a second masterpiece. <laughs> And they don't. It's it's fun to watch, <laughs> but it's it's not very good. But it is really fun to watch. After the sphere <laughs> review, I was really worried you were going to actually say this is another ten. Uh, <laughs> stay tuned till the end for the actual score, of course. But which will be, I don't know, maybe more positive than you think. But mm. it's it's hard to explain this film. I have a lot of nostalgia for it because I do love all of these films like i've said that already i'll say it again i love all of these original films they all have something that 
is special. And this one, I think, might be the weirdest one. And it might actually be like the weakest of the sequels. But there's so, it just gets so weird and so like into the bizarre that I have to applaud it. <laughs> this movie to me feels like, so first of all, you had your star who didn't really want to come back. And mm-hmm. they talked him into paying, I, I don't know if they paid him the same amount as the first movie or even more for his, you know, limited screen time. But I assume they paid him a lot. Yeah, because the first movie was a huge hit. Yeah. So they paid him a lot just to show up a little bit. Uh, he's kind of just missing for most of the film. You see, a, you see a bit more of his journey from the end of the first one at the start and a montage. And then basically from there, he's missing until very nearly end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Heston's gone. And that's why we have a second lead. So we have a whole second lead, which in and of itself presents the problem of, oh, another astronaut you know, team landed on the planet. So there's a bit of that sequel just repeating some things. And I think mm-hmm. the movie boils down to two halves for me. The first half is doing a rush version of the first movie again because Brent has to learn everything that we already know and what Taylor learned over the course of the first movie. So we get how he first learns about the apes, how he learns stuff that we found out in the first one, you know, the reveal of the planet, all that. And then, and because of that, it feels very sequely in that we're just kind of doing a lot of the same beats. We're rushing them a little bit and we're not spending, and they're not as exciting by any means. And then the second half of the movie, it's like, well, where do we go with this? What are we doing in this second movie? You know, what was the point of the second movie? And they just, it was almost like they depicted some, I don't want to say completely mm-hmm. random, but they just, what, what sort of crazy other thing could we put on the planet that loosely ties in thematically to one thing about this franchise? Just just one thing, right. one element. And that's how we get the society that we find in the, the second half of the film. And it, it's a very weird structure of film because of that, because it doesn't, like, I wouldn't say this movie has a three-act structure at all. I, I would say it's k- kind of this weird two-half kind of thing. Arguably, the second half kind of has a structure, but it's, 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 it's very odd because... It's like watching a two-parter Star Trek series. Yeah, and even the sets, especially in the second half, the sets feel... They're a bit bigger budget, but they feel very reminiscent of a Star Trek original series episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, the, all the underground sets, they all feel... They have that kind of fake quality to them, which... Don't get me wrong. It's a movie of its time. I'm not necessarily going to dog it points for that, but yeah, it adds there's to the... a lot of pe- paintings in it, also like matte mm. paintings that you can't. But I, I like that look. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'm not like I have no childhood attachment to this. I never watched this as a kid. I never saw any of them until I was in my late teens when I when I bought mm-hmm. uh, the box set or whatever. I think I watched. I, I think I bought the first one on its own, and then I bought the box set later because oh, I want to see the sequels. What are the sequels like? Um, in fact, no. Now I think about it, I never had the sequels in DVD. I bought the box set in the on Blu-ray. I didn't see the sequels till the Blu-ray uh, set came mm-hmm. out, uh, probably like 2009, 2010, something like that. Uh, so I I have no like attachment from my youth uh, to these movies, and I I watched this one and I, I knew a little bit about it, like I'd heard, you know, some of the the beats, not all of them, but yeah. some of them. And most people know about the society. Yeah, I think it's kind of a. It's just kind of a weird movie. It, it's very much the Freddy's Revenge of <laughs> Planet of the Apes. And not just because it's the second one, but just in that it feels like it's, it's got this weird direction that it never really goes back to. Like the, the rest of the sequels all feel more... If not in style with the first movie, at least once they establish the new style in the third one, mm-hmm. they kind of keep it going naturally from there. So, you know, four's not a sharp left turn, five's not a sharp right turn. The, 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 kind of, it feels like a sort of knock-on sequential yeah. story from that point. This one is, it follows on from some of the first stuff, but it, it really feels like 
the ending of the first one kind of put them in this corner and they like we just have to think of something to do and that's what this movie is so I c- yeah no i totally agree and that's the that's why it's kind of insane it's the insanity of it. it's just like oh we had to think of something so here's what it, this is what we thought of <laughs> but it is like super bizarre like right away there's some magic going on like you don't really understand what's happening and uh and it's odd because it opens with the closing scene of planet of the apes Mm. and it's like a a pretty long scene too yeah it starts from the speech of uh uh i think it's cornelius reading out the 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 thing about man you know man's the devil blah 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 uh and part, part the cynical part of me is like because this movie's only 95 minutes and this was like five mm-hmm. minutes of the first movie at the start i'm like this is yeah. padding out the runtime a little bit of replaying all of this to such an extent yeah it's like last time on planet of the apes <laughs> previously on planet of the apes yeah and it does pick up right from there like we get heston on a horseback with uh with nova but yeah it's i i mean i admit like it's not it's not good and i think the actor that they got to play the lead like he's trying so hard like there's something really endearing about his performance <laughs> you know because he he's really just you could tell he's a, he admires charlton neston he even looks like charlton neston quite a bit i think which honestly and... i think is a mistake i think if he was completely different it'd be easier to like, accept him as a new leading character but because he's just kind of charlton heston light it feels it just feels like mm-hmm. a knockoff and it, it hurts the yeah. character the character and the actor uh, both yeah i mean his personality is very different from heston's character mm. but he's yeah th- there is something really like endearing about his performance like he's really trying hard but sometimes he tries a bit too hard <laughs> I... and it can kind of come off a little bit overdone especially in the second half i think the sad part is, is that you said that his character is very different from heston and that's only true and so much as that he really has not much of a character because Unlike the first movie where it takes the whole movie of like Heston's, you know, Taylor slowly finding out these things and we get more of his personality about how well, he reacts to certain things. Taylor's always very arrogant in the first film and very like abrasive too. I mean, he's trying to survive. This one kind of is, I don't know, he, he always, he feels like a lesser version of Charlton Heston's character. Like he doesn't feel like the leader. He doesn't feel like somebody who's um, surviving or would be willing to do anything to survive you know he seems like just i don't know he's playing he doesn't have he isn't really half of much of a personality he's you know yeah. he's going through the beats of okay i need to survive because clearly this is dangerous but we never really get a sense of who he is as a character of what he is and even when he finds out like where he is and we have that revelation for him you know about halfway through the movie it, it's, it's just kind of it's like 20 percent of what we got of <laughs> from heston's performance yeah but there's also it doesn't really feel like it pays off anything it's not it's like admittedly this is hard because you're kind of just repeating this this plot line yeah it's like okay you finally caught up to the audience and we've already known for an hour yeah but the the, the problem is is that because it's doing that you you have to have some sort of spin on it where him finding out would mean something for his character so you you really what they really needed to do was have him be someone who i don't know maybe just for example say maybe constantly made references to how much better earth is like maybe like sort of belittle this place and say or maybe think he's yeah. superior than the well, apes that and... would be kind of a repeat of the first film it would be but i'm just giving that as an example but there's, there's multiple things you could do potentially it's not easy but ultimately it means nothing when it happens because it, it i mean the first movie has the character stuff so that it does have more mm-hmm. impact 
but the first movie could almost get away with not having it because it would be a shock to us anyway because it's because it's a twist it's new it's, i mean maybe not for us watching it now because everyone knows the twist of planet apes but in the context <laughs> of watching it for the first time it, it would whereas here he's just such a blank slate he's a plain white sheet of paper like that like I, yeah. I would love to know what direction this guy got from the director like what's his backstory like who is he what's his personality like, what does he care about? Who does he love? What is he? Like, like I don't know. Like, there's nothing to him. He's 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 a complete. No. Not he's, he's nothing. He's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a he's a plain white dude with no personality. <laughs> there, there really is. Yeah. yeah, and I don't think he had much of a career, uh, at least as a leading guy. You know. Oh, I recognize him. I think he's done like yeah. TV shows. I'm gonna go and have a have a look. See what he's done. He was in Cat on Nine Tails, which I've seen. That's a Argento movie, so that's something noteworthy. But uh, that's kind of about it. Uh, he died pretty young. He died at, uh, at age fifty-seven in nineteen ninety-one. So. Oh, that is very young. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, he's just kind of. He's sadly, it's a hard thing to do. And I felt Joe Hill felt sorry for this as well. I felt sorry for uh, Nova, Linda Harrison, who plays Nova. Mm-hmm. she like I, we kind of alluded this a little bit in the first one but i felt it even more so than ever in this one because so mm-hmm. much of the, the first one it was like heston was finding someone to kind of bond with even though she couldn't speak even though it was different to any other human that he'd ever really sort of been yeah. a friend with or anything there was kind of this there was something there at least for the purpose of the, the character and the plot of the movie i mean sure she was very much a tool for his character she's not really a character in and of herself but in the context of him being the lead, that's that's fine, right? You know, I mean, that's a wider issue if you talk, what I talk about why there's no proper female leads. I mean, Zira kind of is, I suppose, actually, to be fair. Zira has more of a character. But yeah. in this movie... And she sh- certainly will in the, in the next films, too. Yeah, she, obviously, yeah, they get way more time go- going forward. Uh, but in this movie, Nova, I felt more so than ever, is just there to stand and look pretty. And yeah, we definitely. Because there's, there's so many scenes where, you know, well, it's, well whether it's Brent realizing he's on earth or whether it's him talking to someone else like cornelius and, and zira or whether it's stuff later on in the film the entire time she's just sort of standing there and being moved around and you know stand here no no stand there no go here no do this and she's just yeah. there to be there and it just i don't know it, 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 i mean it's not like it's not doing anything super gross necessarily, but it just they left a bit of a bad taste in my mouth. They just kind of felt like, she... yeah, I mean, definitely, she is very beautiful, and I mean, they don't give her much to wear, so I think she knows what her character is going into it. But it's there's also some scenes later on where it's just there's a lot of um, she's a bit of a punching bag, mm-hmm. and she still kind of hangs out with the same people who are watching her even though she doesn't understand what's going on and it's uh that's also just like that's well, too bad yeah she has one like decent moment in the film she, yeah she does have one decent moment which i actually kind of liked and thought oh, that's kind of a nice beat for her. Mm-hmm. uh unfortunately that is all she gets the entire movie that's worth anything <laughs> yeah uh because because like i say she has a tool for the plot in the first movie as well but She's a fairly vital tool in the first one, whereas in this one, mm-hmm. she is just there to be, essentially, to be the damsel. You know, like you know, once things get going, there's those moments where she becomes the one who's under threat, and that's kind of what she's there to be. And maybe that's true for a lot of movies in a lot of contexts, but it feels especially bad when her character can't speak and she is just standing there waiting to be in peril. Yeah. 
So I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it sticks out. She's somewhat helpful to um, to Brent. Yeah. I mean, she takes him to the wrong place, but things worked out, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Did they? Did you see the end of this movie? <laughs> Nothing, nothing worked out. Uh, <laughs> oh, part of me just feels like this is like some CD producer's like, yeah, this is the perfect role for a beautiful woman in a movie. Yes, yes, just stand there and yeah. be quiet. You, 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 I feel the seediness. We talked about that last She's time. She's not that dissimilar from the character of uh, Raquel Welch in, um, what was the Fantastic oh, Voyage? Fantastic Voyage, yeah. Yeah. And she was supposed to be like this genius scientist, but you would never know it from no, her actions. No, she has like three lines and she wears a really tight wetsuit. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear and there was logistical problems about all the men touching her during a vital scene in the movie which had to be mapped yeah, out that was funny yeah uh, check out a review <laughs> of fantastic voyage for more on that uh so so yeah so 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 novice inclusion is kind of kind of awkward in that sense uh it's it's a it's a clunky movie it's a clunky movie it's a weird movie i kind of yeah. like the weirdness don't get me wrong like i appreciate how kind of batshit it goes in yeah, like ways. we don't know where to go, but the, the movie was a was a big hit, so we have to make a sequel. And our star doesn't want to be in it, <laughs> so what do we do? And I mean, they just—you're right. The first half of the film is just a repeat of like the the first movie, and then it gets into the super weird, which um, which I do enjoy, and I like all the stuff in Ape City with the uh, the new rival the. The gorillas, who are like the military unit, are trying to like mm. go into the Forbidden Zone and take over um, for the orangutans, who normally are the the ones who like uh, I don't know keep the peace, who make the laws, who do all the prayer. And there's there's a like a weird Vietnam anti-war scene where like. Uh, the chimpanzees, like when the gorillas are about to like ride off into the forbidden zone to, I don't know, go to war, they, they have like picketing signs. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that that seems actually interesting to me, and I actually think one of the biggest failures of this movie is it doesn't actually explore this more. It's it's so it's yeah. it's weird and random, but only because it's on its own. See if they, like see if this movie was just set in like Ape City and it was just their politics and them deciding what to do with a potential yeah, war. Like the scene in the sauna between the two leaders, the gorilla leader and the orangutan leader, which is Dr. Zayas, like was actually quite interesting. I liked listening to the politics and the back and forth. Because I, I, I was thinking, because there was so much we talked about in the first movie about you know what everything represents and talking about mm -hmm. how, what's it saying about society, and I felt like oh there's something because we we talked about how the chimpanzees are kind of the scientists and the, the the thinkers and especially the younger one, and this felt like a, a gallery of the younger. This, this felt like a gallery of college students to me. It felt like a college campus protest. Yeah. And, yeah. and I thought oh that's kind of fascinating. I like that visual, and then it just kind of never goes back to it. Like it never mentions it again. It's just it's a one little moment and. I, I was, that, that could yeah. have been interesting. That could it's have been like, here's your Vietnam allegory. I guess maybe the, um, I guess maybe the, the society that we meet later also has that, but uh, for the most part, it's just kind of out of nowhere, little scene. Like, and I do, I do like the stuff in Ape City. I like the getting more of the politics. I feel like, I feel like it, it... I feel like it's out there a necessity because, like, oh, the first film was really strong in having all these allegories and, and yeah. actually having social commentary. <laughs> and I feel like in this one, they went, well, let's put in this scene to say we did it, to say we had some more deep themes, but without actually writing a script that kind of used them. 
<laughs> yeah. in any great way or meaningful way. Uh, Another thing that hurts the film quite a bit is the mask that some of the apes in the background wear. Sure. They are horrendous. <laughs> They'll do this thing where they have like the whoever's sitting in the front row will have like the ape makeup and then everyone behind them is all wearing the same Halloween costume mask and it looks awful. Uh, and for some reason, they'll like zoom in on them. Like it, it would be, it's one thing if you have like the the guys in the front who all have the good makeup and then the guys in the very distance are wearing the mask because you can't quite see it, but they show a lot of the faces of the mask. So you can see the contrast like in the same shot very clearly. It's just so confusing to me. Why would they, why would they show it so well? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a common tactic. I mean, one I always go back to is Army of Darkness, where they had, like, actual, like, mechanical or puppeteered skeletons at the front of this, like, skeleton mm -hmm. army. But if you look at the ones in the background, it's people in suits. And the idea mm -hmm. being that you can get away with that. And you couldn't really. In that movie, it's actually really obvious. You could just tell that the ones in the back are people in suits and the ones in the front are actually <laughs> mechanical things. Uh, but, you know, it's, that, it's that, that idea that you can get away with the ones in the back being a, a bit crapper, uh, basically. Uh, which... It's fine logic, but it you know in this movie it doesn't really do that. It feels like only the the, the few central characters that actually have the full makeup, and then everyone else has the crap masks. And yeah, like there's a lot of this movie does it a few times actually, where it does this dramatic thing where it'll, it'll cut to like a harsh close up of their face or their eyes, mm -hmm. uh, and when it does that on the apes that aren't the the ones that are actually made up properly, it yeah it kind of sticks out and looks a bit yeah. It's just goofy. why why would they even like, they have to know it looks bad. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't understand why it would be in a crowd, but why would they zoom in on it? It's so bizarre. I wonder if there was more production restraints on this movie. Like, I wonder if the if the budget's lower, or at least the budget after Heston's fee <laughs> is uh, lower. Well, I mean, he donated his salary to charity. Oh, really? According to the IMDb trivia, which I gave a quick skim over. What charity? I don't know. With Heston, Heston Foundation. Yeah, with Heston, I don't know if I trust that it was a charity uh, that I would... You think it's the NRA? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... Yeah, I don't know. Then this film is responsible for funding awful people. Uh, yeah. Then again, lots, lots of people fund that thing, so whatever. But, um... <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, uh... It's a weird one. It's a weird one. Obviously, we'll get into spoilers here in a sec. Is there anything else you want to add before we... There's a lot of scenes in? that had no music in it. Like fight scenes or action scenes where it was just nothing. I thought that was kind of confusing too. Like, you could really use some some action <laughs> scoring right here. Is that, the first one had like... Uh, was it Jerry Goldsmith who did the, the score I, for it? That sounds right. And uh, this one was noticeably absent. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, is this, is this another example? I know that they say we're having production restraints and that's why they're being sloppy with a lot of the extras uh, and masks. And, you know, maybe it means that there's less original music. So just, I mean, or, or do you think it's a creative choice where the director, for whatever reason, decided that well, he didn't want music? Well, one of them, that instead of having music, there's like a, like a hypnotic sound effect that they're doing instead. But it's it goes on for a long time, and there's no music behind it at all. And it's, I don't know, I just think, like, if you want to up the tension, you have to have some kind of a score. 
you can you can do it without music. I, I don't think that's necessarily not a... in this scene. Not not this type of tension. I'm talking about like who's going to make it out of the fight alive. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's examples of fight scenes working without music. I, I'll take your word for it. I'll give a, I'll give a good. I one. don't think this is one of them. <laughs> no, no, I agree. This isn't one of them, but it is possible. Dark Knight Rises has a fight scene without music, and it's actually really good. Uh, now, admittedly, what you said there is that you don't know who's going to come out alive or who's going to win the fight. Uh, that's not the point of that scene in Dark Knight Rises. The point of the scene in Dark Knight Rises is that Batman was always going to lose. Uh, I mean, basically, that's male spoilers for Dark Knight Rises, but like the whole point of that fight is that he was never he never stood a chance. So it's this awkward silence as everyone watches him get beat, uh, mm-hmm. and it's very effective. It adds to the feeling that the scene wants to create. Uh, so there are there are applications where not having music in a scene like this can work. I think the problem is is that the fight choreography in a in a low budget, relatively low budget movie from nineteen seventy, uh, is not up to the the par to carry the whole scene on its own. Uh, plus the direction is not exactly that inventive either. Like I I think if you do and it's a long scene. It's a very long scene. I think if you do a silent fight scene that's like all one take, or you have a fight scene between two people who are really athletic and doing a lot of fancy stuff, or like, or you make it feel really like emotional. Like let's say it's really aggressive and they really want to kill each other, and you let the awkward silence play out. I think you totally can. I just, I mean, I agree with what you're saying about this this scene in particular. I just, I don't think it's because the lack of music, something that you could just, you know, blanket say uh, needs to be there for every fight scene. Well, no, I mean, that's not really what I said anyway, but I think for this film, there was just a lack of emotion in this scene because it was just two people fighting with a with a sound effect in the background the whole time, like a buzzing sound. And it went on for a long time. And yet, like, the fight choreography is not good. The emotions aren't there. Like, I need something else to get me drawn into this, like a score. And it's not the first time that it was missing. Like it was missing in, um, like when they were trying to escape from a thing. Like that, it wasn't there either. And it was, I, it, it I, I, so much better <laughs> if it had some kind of a score. I, I would like to add a point on here though that if the emotion, because the emotion should partially be there before you add music. Music should be enhancing the emotion, not adding all of it. So this is sure. also a fault of the script that there's no. You don't really care about the fight because the fight is just very all of a sudden it's not like i mean we can't really talk about it because we can't talk about spoilers yet we can't talk about who's fighting but <laughs> it, it should have like like oh no oh no this has to happen like it should have that kind of like sinking feeling but that's mm-hmm. that's maybe doesn't really make you feel anything it's not well written enough or performed enough to <laughs> achieve any of those feelings so as a goofy b movie which is ultimately what it kind of is it, it kind of needs the music it, it needs the crutch right it needs the crutch of the music to kind of give it yeah. some oomph so i guess I'm, or just I'm so- use some of the music from the previous movie like, can't you just reuse it <laughs> uh the music was composed by leonard roseman on this one uh oh, sorry rosenman uh so i mean this is how this is who you're insulting <laughs> well actually i don't know if you are well maybe if he showed up and did his job i wouldn't be insulted <laughs> well actually i don't know if it is him you're insulting because if, if there's a choice to not use music in a scene, that's not really the composer's choice. The composer's just going to show up and score whatever he's told to score. So, uh, this is the Yeah, director. I'm sure they wanted the sound effect to be, like, the the thing that people concentrated on, but the use of sound effects for this specific society <laughs> is all very, like, It's all over the place. Good. Yeah. 
this is a little bit all over the place. Uh, so, okay. All right. Um, as much as I was kind of fighting you on a couple of things, ultimately I was agreeing with you. I just... <laughs> yeah. Well, I could tell we were fighting because there was no music behind us. <laughs> well, do you think when we were arguing about something, there should be some, like, dramatic high stakes music playing? <laughs> yeah. Dun, Did you just up dun, the tension? Dun, yeah. Put dun, in some Hans Zimmer. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> da -da -da. <laughs> you know, you gotta use the Star Trek fight scene song. I don't know what it's called. The one that they use when Kirk and Spock fight. Okay, okay. Yes. I was gonna say, the main Star Trek theme I don't think would add to a fight scene. I feel like it. If anything, that's what we should play at the end when we're kind of wrapping our thoughts up and it feels very, like, you know, spiritual and mm. hopeful, I guess. I don't know. Can we afford it? We most definitely cannot. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> uh, so, and Star Trek is, I, I think Paramount are particularly rough when it comes to getting after people using doing like fan films and things like that so i don't yeah. think they're going to uh let us <laughs> slide you know slightly just use their, their music <laughs> in a podcast uh but yeah um so i think we'll give the spoiler warning then although before we go to the spoilers i will take this time to thank our patreon producers for the month so thank you and this is at the time of recording i'm actually these episodes will tend to be a week later after we record them so it's not much of a big difference but uh, thank you to Alison M. Fordyce, Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordenow, and Zammer Jammer. Uh, they are all Patreon producers, which means they are producers at the $20 or above tier and therefore get credits as producers. But of course, you don't have to be a Patriot $20. You don't have to, you don't have to be, you know, that filthy rich. You can be a, be a patron for much less, can't you, Tara? That's right. Um, if you like what we do and you'd like to support us and get extra content, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. If you donate as little as $1 per month, you will get access to a plethora of bonus films. If you like B-movies especially, this is the subscription for you. So check it out. <laughs> and if you donate as little as $5 per month, you will get uh, to vote on a movie we do once per month. And you will get access to our episodes one day early. Thank you. That was that was almost 100% smooth. There was one blunder when you went to say donate and you almost said donut instead. <laughs> well, I got a lot of things on my mind. Particularly <laughs> sweet fried <laughs> Hey, I was thinking about donuts earlier as well. I can't, really, I can't, fault, I can't fault you. I can't fault I'm you. always thinking about donuts. Yeah. Donuts. All right, that is uh, I'll take a sort of spoilers then for Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Uh, so first half of the movie, which I suspect will probably be the quicker half of the discussion here, is you know we're interested to Trent. Oh, we, we see Taylor like encounter like a wall of flames and like a like the the ground splitting open and fire shooting up, and, mm -hmm. and then it then it's gone and they're confused. Why? Where did it go? Uh, and then he tries to you know investigate and he goes up to this this rock this big you know cave sort of rock and just fades into it as if it's you know if it's not really there and it's this weird cliffhanger which honestly by the time you actually get to the answers later you may have forgotten any of this even happened because we spent mm -hmm. so so long with with brent and the the regular you know part of the movie yeah but, but we're interested brent his uh, crew member's already dying and he's like uh, i believe his name is skipper <laughs> Uh, Captain like, Skipper. The guy dies. I tell my family. I wish I could feel the sun. Just one last. It's 
it's a little strange because I think he's gone blind. Mm-hmm. Like, in, I I assume the accident, but there's like no trauma to his eyes. Like, why did him landing a spaceship make him go blind? Was there a flash of light in his eyes or something? I don't know. <laughs> I guess we don't know the backstory. Maybe. But it seems awfully strange that he's just laying there with no injuries and he's going, he's blind. Yes. But we're introduced to plain white bread man, uh, named Brent. Who... Well, we haven't said how they got there. Like, because, okay, so the first film, they go into space with the intention of staying out there forever because they bring an Eve with them. This is a good point. This is a very good point, actually. Yes, continue. So their intention was to just go into a cryosleep and go into the future sometime and find a, a planet and colonate it. But now they're saying that because Brent and his skipper and presumably others went to follow him to see what happened to the previous ship no, and actually, they ended no, up actually, in the same place. No, he actually says the phrase rescue mission. He says that phrase. Yes. It was a rescue mission. So, so they did not sleep all that time then, I guess. They didn't sleep overshoot by sleeping and end up in the same planet instead. It was because there's no way they could have just gone into cryosleep well, and I, then woken up in the same area in the even, same time. Even before you start questioning the science matching up with how the first ship crashed in the first place, can we let's just roll this back a little bit. The first ship was supposed to go into space and colonize mm-hmm. a planet. Why is there a rescue mission? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Why is there, like, unless, unless for some reason on Earth, although I think something at the start of the first one said that they couldn't communicate anymore, but let's just say on Earth, they could actually see them go through like a vortex or something that they weren't supposed to go through. So they're like, okay, no, send the send rescue squad. And I, uh, well, how hopeless I think, that is, I don't know. But I think that is what happened in this, in this movie because, like, if you just watch the movie, the first movie on its own, like, it's a, complete story that shouldn't be a sequel with someone else showing up like no. that doesn't make any sense but i i think in this scene where skipper is dying he says something about a time vortex so presumably now that means in plenty of the apes the reason they get here in the future is because they didn't travel through space but they traveled through a time vortex except their eve still aged naturally on the Is ship it- is it possible, Tara, now bear with me here, is it possible that the writers of this sequel are pulling stuff out their ass that makes no <laughs> sense? Is it possible that's happening? But they're professional Hollywood scriptwriters. That doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> clearly they have some plan that is just smarter than us non-writers. <laughs> just haven't figured it out. We just don't get it. No, I'm pretty sure the writer of this is just someone's nephew. They get, some, some producer <laughs> gave their nephew the job. It's like, oh, you might be a writer? Come on here, sunshine. I think sunshine. the writer of this like, ended up writing the rest of them, and the rest of them, I think, are pretty good. Yeah. Well, I wonder if the problem with this one is that they had to somehow like continue the ending of the first one, whereas with the, the mm-hmm. third one onwards, he basically just got to like write a new story from scratch. That Well, not scratch. I mean, it connects to the first stuff in some ways, but... And in yeah. a sense where it's like, okay, this is just a completely fresh idea. That essentially, it's a new starting point. You could, you could jump into the third one and start from there if you wanted to, and it would make sense, and it would be a story. You know, three, four, and five in a lot of ways are kind of a trilogy. Uh, yeah. In some I ways. think the opening of three, you have to, like, 
have some like, okay, this is the situation and I guess I'll accept it in order for them to tell me a good story. I mean, hell, in a lot of ways, uh, the fourth one is kind of the closest thing that Rise of the Apes is is kind of remaking. I mean, it's not really remaking it, it's just doing its own thing, but a lot of it does kind of, you know, ideas kind of match in terms of the goals of what the movies are doing. Obviously, Rise is way better. More in that when we get there, but... uh, Is it, though? I'm pretty sure it is. Don't, Don't try and, you know sweet talk your your nonsense <laughs> into, into, into that conversation no 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 no, no. Uh, <laughs> uh but you know like so yeah well I mean, we'll see so uh yeah uh the writer for the record let me just see who wrote this uh the screenplay was by by paul den uh yeah. the story by paul den and mort uh, abrams so uh we'll see uh there's obviously a a character's based on uh, pierre boulet uh I assume wrote the book. Yeah. Yeah. So it's some French book. I've never read it. I mean, did, did you know it was French, or just because I said his name was Pierre that you went as no, French? No, I, I think we looked it up the <laughs> for the first film. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, so, yeah. So basically, he very quickly. And this is we're talking about this. Can remember in the first movie? No, obviously he's landing. I'm not this. I'm not saying this is a mistake because in the, obviously they've landed in different places. But you know in the first movie when the line is this like long journey where they're not really sure <laughs> if they're going to find water and it's this like you know this trek through the desert and the the, the wastelands and blah 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 blah. In this film, he's literally just buried the the other guy and then almost immediately, as he's still kind of crying, you, just, you hear a horse. You're like, oh, yeah. that was quick. Oh, we're we're, we're getting going. <laughs> oh, it's Nova. <laughs> yeah, Nova's just stumbled into the movie because they they could afford to bring her back and she was willing mm-hmm. to come back. So, uh, so here she is. Uh, presenting nova and she's wearing taylor's dog tags yes which is what leads him to like suspect that she knows something obviously she doesn't speak to him because she can't but he tries to like although he tries he tries to get her to talk for a long time and she eventually like she has like these quick little flashes of like taylor in her head Mm -hmm. when when he says his name so she at least understands his name now it establishes that she can't speak yet but she can't understand that word she understands who taylor is when someone says mm-hmm. that name. We get a brief flashback of, of Heston teaching her how to, like, Nova, Taylor, over and over again. And she doesn't look like she's figuring it out. Wasn't that in the first movie, though? Wasn't that just a clip in the first movie? It might have been. I can't remember. I feel like it was. Uh, which doesn't really, it's not really, it doesn't really matter. I'm just, the point I I'm making is. think so. Because it, it's also the same scene where he talks about, like, we can start a new society and all the children will talk and. It's, it's again one of those moments I, where it's the two love like the the lovers are together but they have no like chemistry like he really sounds like he's talking to a child when he's talking to her but then talking about procreating <laughs> I, I we could we could never actually i think figure this out but i would be willing to have a friendly bet with you that this scene of them learning the name is a deleted scene then from the first one right if it's not in there to begin with that it's not something they shot for this movie. That it's something they had that they'd happened to cut out, and they were able to just kind of slot it in here. It's like, oh, we can use this. Okay, I would take that bet because she's wearing his dog tags in this scene. He gives her the dog tags, I think. Oh, you might be right. Yeah. Okay, you might you might have won this one. You may be too cunning for me on this occasion, Tara. Score. <laughs> but I'll get you next time. Something. <laughs> yeah, I see. See, 
I was smart <laughs> enough not to actually put any stakes on it. <laughs> so, yes. So she takes them to. Uh, I was. I, I keep on. I keep wanting to say Gorilla City because in the Flash, uh, there's there's a city in Africa, Gorilla City, where intelligent apes live, and this obviously isn't that. But <laughs> it's Ape City. We call it Ape Town. Ape Town. <laughs> so basically he just from afar sees them having this kind of like town like meeting right where mm -hmm. they're talking about and this is the thing like in the last movie there's a bit of a leap here for me where it didn't feel like in the last movie they were this aware that there was another society like in the forbidden zone relatively nearby that they might you know want to go and start a war with yeah uh, it's it's very like hush hush like no one is yeah. allowed in the forbidden zone yeah, but all of a sudden here we're having a full meeting with like you know, like a hundred apes talking about it. So clearly, yeah, in a, a very short span of time, things have changed significantly. Yeah, they, apparently they know that there's something out there because their scouts have gone out and some of them have returned and some of them like talk about how there's these magical walls of fire that show up and somebody is hanging the apes from their I don't know. So either it's another ape city or it's maybe human. Do you know that may have been more interesting? See if it was just another faction of apes mm -hmm. that, and they discovered that they hated each other and it was like ape versus ape war. That would have been actually kind of an intriguing premise. Ape, no kill ape. It's ape law. It's a lie. <laughs> the law is based on a lie. <laughs> so, yeah, um... So and obviously we see that Zira is not particularly happy, you know, to, to the point actually because so later on when uh, Doctor Zeus goes to like see them right and she has like an injury on her face, uh, the the excuse for it is that Kuro says, "Oh, I hit her for the way she was kind of being sarcastic at the at the meeting," and Zeus just kind of goes, "Yes, yes, I don't blame you." <laughs> like, yes, oh, okay. I would have done the exact same thing. Like, <laughs> All Jesus right, right. All right, all right, okay. We we know what this this society's like. All right. Um, yeah, and she's just like washing her face, like, oh, no big deal. He just hit me again. I love how like the opening scene because the opening scenes from the the first Planet of the Apes, we get Roddy McDowell as Cornelius, and then we go here, and it's not Roddy McDowell anymore because he wasn't here to film anything. This is the only movie that he's not in technically. Oh, the originals because he's not in the new ones, right? No, obviously he died, you know, many years ago. But well, I, I didn't know he died. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he said, "Oh, he's got cameos." He's actually like he's more capping one of the you know one of the, the main I, characters. Well, actually, he might have been in the Tim Burton one. What a, what a disappointing end he's like. <laughs> uh, Heston's in it. I know that. Uh what? Uh... Nah, he deserves uh, Tim Burton. Maybe Ronnie <laughs> McDowell died before before then. If only there was a way I could check. My cat is sleeping on top of my mouse. <laughs> is that I found a mouse? I cut the mouse. <laughs> Can I use it as bed? Um, so basically, from here, he uh, they they sneak in. Uh, Nova... He gets shot. Well, he gets shot. Oh, that's Lair. Well, he gets shot like three times in this movie. So he gets shot first, and then Nova takes him to Zira because she okay. fixes him. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they're surprised to see them, and I, I actually kind of like this subtle thing where they yeah. said to him, uh, "Are you Taylor? Taylor's back?" And I'm like, "What? Because all humans look look alike?" Is yeah. that what you're saying? 
Um, and he's obviously yes, he he is. But he uh, does kind of look like him. He's just it, like similar two feet shorter. <laughs> well, he's similar in the same way that uh, that. Oh God, most Matt, Matt Berry's character in what we do in the shadows. I forgot his name. Laszlo. Laszlo. He's similar in the sense that Laszlo <laughs> might mistake him and sleep with the wrong one. Right. That, that's how similar he looks, but not really it's a to anyone. Completely different with eyes. person. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, if you've not seen what we do in the shadows, just go watch it. You'll get the, the joke, and it's great. <laughs> the the <laughs> but, television show, yes. Yeah, um, but also, actually, what, the movie. The movie's great. A more serious point to bring up here, though, actually, just from the the meeting again before I forget about it, is there's a line in here that I thought was really either an oversight or a really intentional placement to try and provoke some thought. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm probably leaning towards oversight given the the quality of the movie overall. But <laughs> uh, where I think it's the, it's the the lead gorilla says um we don't just you know fear humans because of their white skin and at first i thought oh that's kind of notable that there's no other humans like, no wait there was there was there was a black character in the first movie so it's yeah. kind of weird that the apes still refer to humans primarily as white skin now is that just the shadiness of the time and them not acknowledging like in, uh, you know like and in, in the, the writers not even thinking about this and it's, it's kind of reading as them being kind of dicks uh and just kind of like I don't know, systematically racist, essentially. Or yeah. is this an intentional thing where they're trying to make a point about how the the apes wouldn't differ or something? I don't know. I wasn't sure, but the line really stuck out to me. Yeah, so I think the comment is... Uh, I think it's just the writers trying to do another allegory and like just get one in there real quick, but I think maybe they just didn't... They didn't realize what they were stepping into when they wrote that they just thought this will be a poignant thing that'll make people think without realizing that actually it's uh kind of problematic <laughs> but i mean it's not like the issue of class and and race isn't brought up in the first one but it's between all the apes you know like the chimpanzees yeah. versus the orangutans uh, are clearly like um the lower class but, yeah they're, they're a mirror of human culture but they're all within the ape structure so it's kind of like here's what our metaphor is yeah i ha- think the confusing thing is is that the first movie i mean the humans didn't represent a, another race they represented animals because they were kept in cages and used for like taxidermy for their museums and stuff um but i think this one's trying to like say oh no now it's more poignant because it's about race but it's not really it's not really explored. It's just like a throwaway thing. Like, look, we're really clever, and it's not. Uh, it's not good. It doesn't. It doesn't age well. Yeah, I think I would agree. I think it's intentional, but I think it's intentional in a really kind of immature way where mm-hmm. they didn't realize what the can of worms they were opening. And like you say, it does not explore. It doesn't really come back later. And if there's, if there, I mean, if they're saying the humans are the white people. What is that saying? What the for the metaphor yeah. sake is this implying? And there's a really problematic line of thinking there, which I don't, you know, I, I don't know if that's what they intended. I don't know if that's what they wanted. But I think that mm-hmm. just if, if it's not what they intended, then it just shows you how poorly thought out the line was in the first place. Uh, so, right. Yeah. So you know, not to bring the tone down here and get very serious for a minute, but it, the line really stuck out to me because it just it, it felt weird, uh, and yeah. So. But I think this does get explored in later films. Like I think, I think Conquest does have 
a different analogy or the same mm. analogy, but done in a better way. I think it's been a long time since I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, don't, 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 don't stake your reputation <laughs> on how good that is yet <laughs> before we get there. Back to Planet of the Apes. Beneath the Planet of the Apes in particular. Beneath the surface. Have we the... gone beneath yet? We're getting there. Well, because we're at the point where... We have to get through the, the, the sauna scene. We brought that up, yeah. We talked about how the the Zeus and the the gorilla sort of leader. Yeah. Uh, would you say that they engage in gorilla warfare? I'm pretty sure that's the reason this movie existed because <laughs> of Vietnam, and they wanted to make a gorilla warfare joke. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> Sorry. I just. My God, the world's burning! Like I know. It's actually turning to plastic. Is there a plague outside? Um, should I, should I mean, go lock the doors? Technically, there is a plague outside, but that's the. I know. Did you see the news that the bubonic plague's coming back? I, I, I did. You sent me that link. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a little. That's a lot concerning. Uh, my hope is is that because everything's been kind of shut down, everyone's sort of staying away from each other already that maybe this won't get a chance to spread because we're already in the mindset of trying to stop something from spreading that maybe it'll go better. Yeah. Maybe it'll go better. <laughs> Let's not bring back the Black Death, please. Yeah, let's not do that. Uh, so, but ultimately, uh, Zira and Kyrgyz, who we don't really see much of after this point, give uh, Brent enough stuff, you know, some water, some food, and send them on their way. But of course, they barely get and very far. immediately get captured. Yeah, they, they, they get like maybe, I don't know, a minute away from the, the, the town before the, the horse is shot and they're on the run and we get a bit yeah. of game of cat and mouse as a chair and they end up going into like a cave but they end up in like a subway is ultimately where they, and this is where he has his big moment where he's like wait this is new york and do you know what's so funny about it is that obviously it's new york because it was the statue of liberty you know from the end of yeah. the first movie but there was a moment where he was started seeing signs for stuff before you actually see it say new york where i went oh i wonder what site there <laughs> And, like, and then it said New York. Well, of course it's New York. It was a Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Come on, Peter. I know. It was you a brain fart. really into the film. It was a brain fart of a moment. Right? I admit. This was just... The end of Philly. <laughs> Chicago. Hey, geographically speaking, Philadelphia wouldn't be the worst place. Uh, no, they're pretty close, actually. Yeah. Yeah, you can drive... You know, I mean, you can drive anywhere in the US, but, well, except Hawaii and... I suppose, but <laughs> but you know, in a reasonable amount of time, it's not a ridiculous journey. No, no. Uh, by U.S. standards, uh, it, is, it is larger than the entire uh, height of my island that I'm on. But <laughs> that's not here, not there. Um, so, but they end up down here, and he has his moments, and it's all a bit. And it's kind of funny because we we get all these sets now where there's doors and stuff because now it's like you know it's the the remains of. I do like seeing them. Like I like seeing all the underground sets, and I mean a lot of them are just matte paintings, but I I do appreciate it. Like I like seeing old New York underneath. Yeah, it's funny actually because it's, it's obviously I just recently finished uh, Last of Us Part Two, and it's funny how when we started seeing like you know like a bus in the background because you know, under the rubble and stuff mm -hmm. i'm like oh this is starting to feel you know kind of that type of post-apocalyptic because mm -hmm. uh, for the most part it doesn't because the most for the most part planet of the apes is just like you know desert fields and desert yeah it's just plain stuff that could be anywhere um so you know uh but the, the this is where they, they get to the the, the shenanigans because brain well they find some water so there's like some running water somewhere and 
he starts drinking from it and i think there's maybe almost like a red herring here where you think that maybe it's the water that's done this to him because you know mm-hmm. he, he drinks it and then nova starts drinking afterwards and then he starts like freaking out we get a close-up of his eyes and he starts shaking we and hear then, a sound yeah we hear the, yeah, the or something <laughs> but it wasn't that the sound of telekinesis the sound of yes telekinesis and he starts like shaking is it do you know all my sister you know like that famous gif of star trek uh it's so star trek next generation He's so shatner <laughs> well no i was thinking the next generation it's, the, it's like a like a, like a nobody like a red shirt or someone at the console who starts shaking because something happens on the screen it's, it's an next gen clip it's a famous gif it's used all the time no i don't know because the, the the joke ending of it is that it cuts to the computer screen and it's like a Windows blue screen of death, which. Oh. <laughs> uh, but you know the actual clips obviously just from something happening in an episode of Star Trek. And what was with the sirens today? <laughs> I don't know, man. End of the world outside. Tara, Tara robbed like a bank in the last week or something. Something something went on. <laughs> that <laughs> does coming. sound like me. They're, they're coming for Tara. Uh, they're coming for Faxi. Oh, oh yeah, Foxy. Yeah. She's Fo- trouble. Nothing but trouble. Foxy's so foxy, she should be illegal. And she is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> is your dog named after Foxy Brown? Um, sort of. She sort was of. I she, so I got her from a shelter and they mm-hmm. already named her Foxy. They named her Foxy Cleopatra after a very Foxy Brown like character mm. in an Austin Powers movie. Ah, okay. Alright. So you didn't pick the name, but well, I kept the name Foxy. I dropped the Cleopatra part. Now she's just yeah. Foxy Lady. It's a, bit, it's a bit snobby for a dog to have a double barrel name like that. Yeah. She's not a Bond girl or an Austin Powers girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would like to say that she's named after Foxy Brown. I only recently watched that movie. And you know what? It ain't bad. Oh, it's a pretty good movie. It's a really solid mm-hmm. movie. I liked it too. Uh, it's one of those things where you go back and watch it as a Tarantino fan, which you know both of us by the time we saw it were, uh, yeah. and you sort of see a lot of the influence and stuff. It's good. It definitely makes me want to watch Jackie Brown when I watch it. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's a reason why it's called Jackie Brown, and it stars Pam Greer because yeah. it's clearly inspired uh, by that era of films starring her. Uh, I, I've not got around to Coffee yet, which is a, a, a lot of big one, but mm. uh, no, I've never seen that either. But no. Uh, so. Yes, this is where the telekinetic uh, nut jobs, the cult who worship the nuclear bomb is down here. Well, he, he tries to kill Nova. He tries to kill Nova, yeah. He tries to dunk her head in the water and then pulls himself away eventually. Or they, they stop making him do it gradually mm-hmm. or whatever. And eventually he's he's drawn into the next room and he, he sees someone praying at, you know, the altar. And it's this 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 nuclear warhead at the front. Not any nuclear, it's, 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 it's the doomsday warhead, as we find out mm-hmm. later. It's just the the biggest bomb ever they, they could like ruin the atmosphere for the entire planet it's the alpha omega <laughs> can't say it i don't have as many teeth as uh charlton heston does it's a very toothy actor alpha omega. <laughs> <laughs> so and this is where we find out they've got telekinesis and this is the first thing is for 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 a good while uh, during this scene when he meets like first he meets one then he meets like a, like four or five of them in a uh, in a row and they all talk to him via technique, so you never hear what they're saying. You only hear his answers, which I thought was kind of ballsy. You hear like some weird sound effects, so there's, there's like some beeping and booping that happens as they're talking to him. Uh, I, I won't quite say it's R two D two levels, but it, it's definitely something interesting in the soundtrack. But what I thought was weird though is that 
eventually in the scene after he's been just responding and we don't hear what they're saying eventually he starts to really get get a lot of pain and one of them says okay we shall now speak verbally because he has just puny little mind mm-hmm. can't clearly can't handle all of this telepathic communication um also you said telekinesis earlier technically you're right not tele- telepathy not telekinesis thank you <laughs> i'm sorry i just i see i agreed at the time because i think in my head uh because it was the act of pers- well they were they were forcing him to to move to do actions yeah if but you're I- controlling a human isn't that telekinesis no because i think they're controlling his head to make him want to do it so he's like, doing the actions himself okay he's doing the physicality part Fine. himself i was wrong <laughs> hey i didn't i didn't notice it at first i just i just realized there as we started oh, talking yeah. about stuff <laughs> i noticed it at first as soon as i said it i went mm, i bet he's gonna correct me and then you didn't <laughs> but then you did are you disappointed that i eventually corrected you no i expected it so how can i be disappointed if it's what i expected how was i supposed to win if if i don't correct <laughs> you the comments would be like actually i think you'll find is telepathy <laughs> where did you get this one from maybe tara should you know leave well i would i would never i would never act this way towards one of our loyal viewers i adore them but with you i can <laughs> act that way I don't adore all of them. Every so often there's a shithead in the comments. I don't mean to say that. Most of I you are lovely people. people watch and want to comment. Sometimes you get And I don't read up. them, so I don't know what they say. So I'm sure that they're all positive. Joe, jo- jo- if there's something that bothers me, it's a lack of nuance. Where clearly, it's, it's obvious you might see a tele- telepathy, right? And you just said yeah. the wrong word. It's not a big deal, right? And I just know that some, some people, the way they respond to that is like... Uh, telekinesis no and that's all they'll say <laughs> well you've com- committed a sin because you're you slipped the wrong word out once we're down here though once we're down here and we're interested that in what i did think was weird though is that later on it cuts to the the group again of uh of telepaths mm-hmm. and they're watching like they've got like a telepathic vision of the outside world so they can like see the apes coming and they all talk verbally and i'm like why are you talking verbally when you're on your own <laughs> There's no reason for you to be talking like this to each other. Yeah. There's another thing they all do that it's a bit confusing as well. Because, like, I mean, the, the thing well, the thing you're talking about is the singing later, right? Uh, when they're in yeah. the, the church. At least yeah. with that, I could accept the argument. The whole point of singing is you want to hear what it sounds like altogether. So they have to well, do it no, they, they said when they, when they pray or when they sing to their God, mm. which is the bomb, that they speak out loud. Sure. Because that's the way their ancestors did it. Or whatever. Yes. Yes. So this is basically a, a, a mutant uh, faction that, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, deal with nuclear, uh, you know, radiation and then evolution over however many centuries it's been, have yeah. become this weird uh, telepathic society. And they keep insisting that they're a peaceful, peaceful uh, people. Mm-hmm. In fact, at one point, I shit you not, so later on when they make, because when you eventually get to uh, Brent versus uh, Taylor. Taylor, right? The, the, the actual line of that, and I was already thinking this, but this line put it over the edge, where he actually mm-hmm. outright says, the guy making them do it says, we are peaceful people. We don't kill our enemies. We make them kill each other. And I'm like, how is that peaceful? <laughs> that is not peaceful. <laughs> Just because your hands aren't doing the killing doesn't mean they're not peaceful. I think, I think that's also a commentary on, like, America. <laughs> <laughs> 
proxy wars, you know. I get it, but it's just it, like it just it's so to actually blatantly say it in yeah. that succinct a way just felt absurd to me. But mm-hmm. hey ho, I uh, like the, re- the the reveal of it though, because all of a sudden they go from like we're happy to be reunited and have a, somewhat a companion on this planet where they can talk to each other and they're from the same place to immediately oh crap we're gonna have to murder each other now well this goes back to what we we're talking about earlier with the, the the lack of music in this scene is that like see if they'd actually given us some time with them to establish that they're actually friends or they know each other or mm-hmm. maybe they grow they have, to like minor history yeah or maybe they grow to bond here over a bit of time that could actually be quite a meaningful thing that they have to fight each other but it happens within seconds of them meeting each other and it's like a minor recognition thing where, where taylor's like oh I, yeah you're bright i think i saw you hanging around nasa or something like <laughs> yeah. that kind of sentiment um and then they have this big fight and all, all the bars in this cage have like spiky sort of elements on them um which actually reminds me there was one scene because uh, like you said earlier there's like multiple times they're on the run from the apes earlier on there's a mm-hmm. scene where they're in like a carriage in a cage uh, yeah, after they, again, with after, no music. Yeah, it's after they, they get captured the first time uh, and then they're taken in the cage. There's like a whole sequence, which I, to be fair, I actually thought it was a fun little sequence where he climbs out of the cage and actually sort of strangles the ape. And he's, mm-hmm. There's a lot of stunt work in this scene, which makes it probably the most impressive action scene of the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I agree. Because, uh, so, you know, it's a horse and carriage, basically, and he's like strangling the ape who was driving and, you know. Yeah. It would have been great if there was some music. <laughs> I'll give you that one. That one. There's felt no like score it. in it. <laughs> That's the one that felt like it needed some music. Uh, so, but yeah, we have this fight, and the, 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 you know they get they both get cut. They're both getting beat up here, and they're trying to resist, but they can't help it. And it's during this where Nova kind of like gets away from whoever she's with. I think it's because the apes are starting <laughs> to invade the the city. We'll get we'll get to the ape side of all this stuff in a minute. Yeah, but... she bites the hand of um, some Star Trek looking guy. Yeah, and then um, escapes. And she runs in and she breaks up the fight and distracts the guy who's making them do this with the tele- te- uh, telepathy. Sorry, I said the wrong line. Uh, where <laughs> she she actually says a first word. She says Taylor, uh, kind of awkwardly. Mm-hmm. And it's actually kind of a nice moment. It's, it's probably yeah. the best idea this movie has is to give her a moment where she eventually says a word. She's learned from Taylor and Brent to speak or start speaking, you know. And yeah, it's kind of a good moment. And this this gives them their chance to kill the uh, the guard. Which they do by kind of like impaling him on the the door that's got spikes on it, and then shutting it over the back of the way so that he goes into the other side of spikes too, and yeah. then he's then he's bloody. In fact, we didn't even mention it. It's before this scene where they reveal that all of the, the their faces are actually masks. They look human yeah. for the record. They look this human. This is the thing where I'm like, why are they all wearing masks like around each other? No, that's a fair point. I don't. I, I didn't realize that's what we were talking about. But you're right. Yeah. Why? Why are they doing this? This is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, unless it's just a cosmetic thing, but if everybody looks the same, they've all mutated, why do they all need to put masks on? So, yeah, it does that thing. It's almost like from years later, Mission Impossible, where they take off the mask, but as they take it off, yeah. obviously, they switch shots so it's like a rubber mask, and they peel it off, and they're basically, they're all bald and sort of radiated and Blue, look... and yeah. they have, like, no skin. <laughs> I will yeah. say that I, I love it. Like, I think it looks cool. And I think it's a neat reveal. I like the way they pull the masks off and stuff. And it's done pretty well. I think um, the question I asked you, though, does any of this belong in a Planet of the Apes movie? Okay, so I guess what it makes you think of is so the apes had to have enough time to evolve to be intelligent. Mm-hmm. And in 
doing the only reason they had that opportunity is because humans were gone or not gone but like reverted well, back to not being able just, to just one, or... one one caveat here on this this is ignoring what it then reveals in the other sequels coming after because technically yes because because technically it's not like it just happens from scratch like we assume it does at this point if you're watching these for the first time right but, so yeah. right well if you're watching them for in in order what yeah. this makes you think is okay so there's two types of humans that exist on this world those who have gone back it, they're basically like the the time machine humans the 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 Modoc and the e mm. Eloy or something like the the ones on the surface who survived nuclear fallout became like uh, uh, I don't know reverted back to just being primal and they can't speak and they just live off land and the ones that hid underground and were affected by nuclear ra radiation those continue to evolve so even though they have they have these they're like mutants now with uh, different powers, but it's like the next stage of human evolution because of it. So they continue to get smart, but they also ignore the humans that are on the surface as animals now. So it's her having this moment where she's able to understand and speak is a big deal. Like now maybe humans can come back. Maybe we can learn. Maybe humans can get, uh, go back to um being equal with i guess apes you know eventually hmm. so <laughs> i mean it, it's it is a really cool moment and it is pretty significant for this mythology yeah and then she's killed off immediately afterwards <laughs> and then she's killed off yes yes, yes. now to be <laughs> fair so are the two male leads as well they're both killed off by the end of the film essentially uh but Hers, yeah. hers feels particularly kind of, I don't know, just kind of like... She's just shot. Yeah, just disregarded. Yeah. Like, it's a, it's a nothing moment. It's like, oh wait, did that result in her death? It did. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. it's... Yeah, it's, so she's shot by an ape. She's yeah. shot by an ape who has gotten into the into the bunker or whatever and is just shooting at all of them and she's the only one who gets hit Which she dies. And then I, I, immediately I, it's Charlton Heston who's just like, I need to kill all of the apes. They don't deserve to live. Yeah, which is again kind of problematic given the themes that this movie's playing with, with with class and mm -hmm. uh, mistreatment and inequality. But then on top of that, like, can I just talk about the the, the actual way this scene is shot? I thought the way Ape's entrance into the scene was really weird because yeah. it, it's this wide shot looking at the three of them. They're, they're kind of at the top of a little bit of stairs, not like a staircase, just like a you know like three or four steps, like a little raised area, and they both look towards the camera. And there's like a good couple of seconds where it doesn't really make it clear what's happening. Like they don't yell out like, oh, there's an ape coming, or they don't like react shocked. They just kind of stare and wait for the ape to come up to them. And it's this, and the ape just kind of like, you know, shrugs into the scene really awkwardly from off yeah. camera. I don't know. It just it felt really weirdly choreographed and laid out to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty clunky. Yeah. Yeah, clunky. That's the word. Yeah, it's clunky. So yeah. that's kind of weird. Uh, but the actual like ending of the movie uh i mean aside from the fact that i think right before this scene is the scene where we have to like sit and watch them sing for five minutes which went on far too long like we got it they, they sing to their god I, their, their rocket i like the prayers i like this mythology a lot I, of the i mean i don't like it in the sense of it kind of changes the first movie but as like the first movie is a standalone masterpiece 
And the mythology that builds after that is B-movie fun. I don't know. Just sit down and enjoy mm. this world. And I'm a fan of the Halloween franchise. I know full well how to separate the sequels as yes, B-movie okay. fun after the masterpiece <laughs> original. Yeah, so I'm, I'm familiar with this concept. Okay. And Jurassic Park kind of falls into it, too. Yes, it, it, it does. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's a familiar uh, strategy <laughs> for us movie fans. <laughs> Maybe even Jaws. Oh, I think Jaws definitely. I mean, I've not even seen Jaws two or three, but uh, yeah, they're pretty bad. I no, I've I've heard Jaws three is good, bad though. There is one where like, like the son of Jaws or whatever is taking it out on the, on the, Brody family, and it's like hunting them down. I'm sure that's the, it. Might be revenge. That's the fourth one, revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the only thing I know about that movie is that Michael Caine's in it. And he was once asked if he ever saw, if he ever actually saw the film. Did he ever see Jaws: The Revenge? He said no, but I saw the house that it built. <laughs> That's a pretty great clip. <laughs> so, you know. Uh, anyway, where, 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 where. so yes, yeah, so, so basically they come in, and because so during this portion of the film, I've been cutting back to the apes occasionally who have been storming because that was the whole thing with their meeting earlier on is they want to storm the Forbidden Zone and get to these this this faction, whoever they may be. And there's a moment where they try to like project, uh, like basically like a, a horrible kind of like, like not graveyard, but you know lots of pikes with apes on them, all like dead, mm-hmm. and a statue of the the ape. Uh, what, what do they call them again? The apes? Do they call them the, the lawgiver. The lawgiver, that's the one. And the the, the statues crying blood. There's fire like in front of all these like dead apes. Mm-hmm. And the apes are all in shock and they're in awe, but then eventually it disappears. And I thought it was kind of this weird thing they've got in this movie where the the telepaths then say that the apes aren't smart enough for them to continue their projections and therefore they don't work on them. And I'm like, yeah. that's like backwards logic. Surely if yeah. they're if they're dumb, then it would work forever or work longer than it would a smarter <laughs> being. Yeah, I, I noticed that line too. It's like, oh, it's the apes. They're they're too primitive for us to for our tele telepathic powers <laughs> to work on them. And it's like, what? Like, how how is this logic working out for, for you? Like, it's it doesn't doesn't I make mean, any sense. To be fair, it does apply to the humans as well, who I guess they would also consider too primitive. Because I mean, even at the start of the film, and Heston <laughs> sees stuff, it disappears after a minute. Like, it doesn't stay there forever. So that the logic that the you know that both our humans and apes are both equally primitive in that sense are fine, but I still don't understand the logic of why being dumber <laughs> makes it harder to convince them of a thing for longer. It makes it easier. <laughs> That's how idiocy works. Yeah, they just can't project for their brains can't handle the the projection image for long periods of time. There's a reason why I the guess big you have the- to be smart for it to work. There's a reason why the Big Bang Theory got like eleven seasons, alright? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't watch that show. Well of course not. <laughs> You're not primitive. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to any Big Bang Theory uh fans in the audience. You just, but... Yeah, you just upset a lot of people's dads. <laughs> so um <laughs> what am I getting at here? Uh, so, so the apes storm the, the the base basically. The apes storm the base and come in, just killing the telepaths left and right, shooting them down, and eventually, obviously, killing Nova. 
there's a whole fight going on in the main altar where the apes storm in with Zeus kind of leading the charge and we actually have them shoot like you know Charlton Heston gets shot quicker than Bren does he, he I mean he's not dead he's sort of like he's, he's got the sort of the heroic death where he's like bleeding out and he's like saying damn you I'm trying to help you or help me stop this or blah blah and Bren just goes on a bit of a murdering spree trying to shoot as many apes as possible before getting gunned as if he's you know as if he's being shot by firing squad he gets you know riddled with holes which is notable yeah. because everyone else in this movie is including Nova who gets shot you don't see a gun like a, a wound or anything like no Nova has the classic western death where you don't see any blood or anything to imply she's yeah. actually been shot she's just down she dies in a very pretty way yes uh <laughs> But the end of the movie, and not so much the action of the movie, but how it chooses to like portray it is what really got me because I'd forgotten this. Is mm-hmm. that Heston basically crawls towards the the trigger? Which, by the way, I I don't really buy that the the trigger for this doomsday missile is this weird futuristic little like surely if anything it'd be an crystals. old computer system. Yeah, it's these crystals. It's like it's almost like Superman's Fortress of Solitude. Like just a, just, yeah. just a little bit it, of it. Yeah, it's hard not to think of that when you see it. Yeah, but Heston just kind of crawls and just pushes down the big red button to launch it because he just wants to kill everything the at this point. The big red crystal. The big red crystal, sorry. And <laughs> it sort of like fades to like sort of like a white and then black. And then a narrator comes in. A narrator, mm-hmm. which has not been there for the, the duration of this movie. This very serious voice. And then in that, that, that day, this, you know, the, the, uh, a medium-sized sun and its satellite a green planet, which is odd. Most people call it the blue planet, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this green, maybe maybe in the future, after the apocalypse, it's green. <laughs> but the, <laughs> this this blue, this green planet was dead. And then it just cuts to like, like silent credits. There's no music over the credits. It just cuts, cuts to nope, silent credits. Over, yeah. It's so stark and just like, nope, we're all doomed. We're dead. The end. Uh, which I have to admit, if nothing else, Nova speaking for the first time is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wagon escape is a fun little stunt sequence, and the ending has some balls. The rest of it's yeah, kind of yeah. a we- a weird sequel mess, is how I'd describe it. I sort of love how it ends, especially because I know that Charlton Heston definitely did not want to have another sequel. He didn't even want to be in this one, obviously. And how do you guarantee no more sequels? blow up the planet of the games. <laughs> yes he wasn't i mean it certainly takes him out of the picture uh but it definitely obviously like, oh we'll just do some time travel yes but we've set up this vortex this time vortex is just hanging around so you know we'll just have some of the apes go there because yeah if you if no one knows this the premise of the next one is that zero and cornelius actually travel to present day earth and yep. live in our society or well you know 1971 society Right. Uh, so because this movie came out in 1970 uh, the original was 68 so they're pretty quick and how you know they're basically year by year uh once you know after this point uh, more or less i think so uh very short span of time uh, so you know we'll see we'll see uh where we go from here but um the second one's a weird movie because the first it's half so is weird. i think this one is the weirdest of all yeah the first half so repetitious, and then even all the stuff in the second half is it's weird in concept just on its own. But even in the context of like what the rest of the franchise is, is nothing else is even remotely touching upon any of this again. Like there's never any other at least as far as I remember, there's never a hint of like the telepath society like becoming a thing like later on or Right, no. This is I completely like standalone. That. Yeah. Uh which is why I compare it to Freddy or not sorry, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two of Freddy's Revenge, because 
that's often considered the weird one of that franchise for a couple of reasons. One, for some reason, Freddy doesn't kill anyone in their dreams in that movie. He possesses someone instead. So it's like the rules have completely changed. Kind of mm-hmm. like here we have this telepath society. And on top of that, the uh, the director and the star were like determined to make it like a like a queer movie. So there's a lot of like homo homo erotic subtext in the film. Uh, and it's actually kind of a fun watch because of that. Because when once you start noticing that, it's like oh, like how how because there's other people, there's, there's producers in the movie who claimed they had no idea. And I'm like, how did you not notice some of this stuff that they're, they're doing in this movie? Uh, Interesting. But I've never seen it. I'm intrigued though. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely an interesting one. Uh, I, I appreciate that a lot more now than I did uh, the first time I worked through the franchise. When we did it in streams, I was like, you know what? I actually kind of like this one. It's, it's nowhere near as good as the original or three, which is the my favorite of the series and the real sequel. But uh, it's right. a really interesting... Directed by the Blob director. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look at Check out our things. review of the Blob 88. Yeah, from I mean, last it, week or two weeks ago, it was know. literally last week's episode, so oh, yeah. <laughs> not hard to find. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's got problems. I think a lot of its politics are basically not thought out, or even it feels like they just shoved in some political moments or lines to yeah, give the appearance. I definitely would have liked to have seen more of it. You know, to give the appearance of that stuff, but without any actual thought, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, none of it really clicks together. Uh, Nova's inclusion just feels kind of. I don't want to say it's just purely sleazy, but it, like, it's there's not much more to it than that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty close she's, to that. Yeah, she's like a potted plant, like a pretty yeah. thing, in the background, for most of it. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of that. Um, but you know, a couple there's a couple of things to like about it. It is definitely an interesting watch just to see, especially the second half. The first half's a bit more of a slog because it is just kind of repeating uh yeah it, it takes a while before we get to the, the underground mutant society in new york which is remarkably so, like what happens in futurama but it's, it's about it's about halfway through uh that that transition happens because the first i think the problem with the first half is that him running away from the apes or trying not to get captured it's like it's, yeah, it's he just captures like three times and it's like back to back like he's really not yeah. very good at this it's repetitious, but it's also repetitious of stuff that was also a lot of the first movie. So yeah. it's just like, please do something new, do something else. And, you know, if I mean, we'll, obviously I, we'll, we'll save our opinions on the next one until we get to it and actually remind ourselves because maybe we'll feel differently. But if nothing else, the next one is not repeating anything uh, no. from the first two. I, it's a completely new concept. So. Um, maybe it parallels some ideas, you know, the idea of like, you know, Heston in the first movie being an ape society, maybe they'll parallel like, what they go through in the human society and sort of make some counterpoints but you know the, the concept just lends itself to not being the same thing again which uh is pretty much what you'd want from an interesting sequel uh mm-hmm. and this is kind of a weird ugly duckling i suppose <laughs> uh as a franchise. i think it's still worth a watch like if you're a fan oh, yeah. of the franchise like it is just this bizarre little film in these series that for the most part makes sense like like i agree what you said the third fourth and fifth are kind of their own separate trilogy mostly around cornelius and zira and you know some other characters that are new but, i'll tell you i feel like this i mean don't worry i think there's a lot of things they could flesh out if they wanted to actually rewrite it but as it is now i think like i would like them to like cut out like 10 minutes of it just to speed up that first half and you know uh, you know, you don't have to pad it as much. You you can, like, 
Because, because like you said, like them like escaping and getting caught like two or three times, that mm-hmm. feels like padding. Yeah, 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 it does. But they don't want them to get to the mutant society too fast because that's where Charlton Heston is, and he has very limited time in this film. Yeah, but if you cut the movie down to like eighty minutes, that means Charlton Heston's percentage of the movie has went up <laughs> for the same amount of work. Yeah, it means that instead of being in you know ten percent, he's now in fifteen percent of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Because you've cut out some other stuff. Yeah. He's, uh, he definitely did not want to do this film. No. no. Didn't I, even take the paycheck. And I think you can kind of see it in the performance a little bit as well. I, I think yeah, it's a little he's, bit I out. mean, he still feels like Taylor, but there's no... Like, the, the scenes he has with Nova are, are kind of like, eh. I, I definitely don't buy their relationship mm-hmm. now. He looks. Uh, he also looks notably different, and it's not like he's that much older. It's only two years later, but his hair's a bit longer. If it, it feels like he didn't want to like change his like, whatever hair he had, so they just had to try and make it work with yeah. what he was supposed to look like from the first one. So I, I felt the difference. I felt like yeah, this doesn't feel like how he looked at the end of the first one. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but but no weird side that. Um. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much it, though. I think uh, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Would you like to rate Beneath the Planet of the Apes? Sure. I will start. So, yeah, as far as wrap-up goes, it's it's still a pretty fun watch, and I think the mythology is really neat, even if it's uh, not something that get, continues later on, really, at all, because, you know, the planet blows up. But it's it, it's just they didn't know how to make a sequel, and so they just sort of took... Um, I, don't, I don't know the most out there concepts and which ends up being interesting but ultimately uh, not something that they could continue on in the next film so <laughs> I don't know it's it I, I get it it's a mess it's two movies in one and it's um, doesn't the, the lead is super try hard but it is still really fun to watch and it has some nostalgia for me um I'm I'm gonna give it a six, yeah, six. Okay, okay. Do you know something that occurred to me as you were giving your final points there is that mm-hmm. I think if this movie had no humans, well, not no humans, but no like no no Brent, right, and maybe even little to no uh, Taylor. See, see if it was just about okay, we're in the ape like city now, and they discover this this group of. Uh, telepaths and we just developed the entire movie about their conflict and about building up both sides yeah I think that could be good that could be that would have been a better movie i think because because the problem isn't necessarily the concept of the telepaths it's, it's just like just how quickly they're thrown in and we have, we have to like buy everything that they're, they're about and what they are and yeah you know there's definitely stuff you could have done with them but uh, as it is it feels maybe about... they, they were probably afraid to make the apes the main characters until mm. later on I, you know, it worked in the first film. The first film was a huge success because, so we're just going to use that formula again. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so it ends up feeling a bit like a goofy, goofy episode of Star Trek, right? Um, yeah. So, uh, and everything I've already said. So, I, I you know, I, I think a six sounds kind of in the ballpark. I might go, I might go just a nudge lower to 5.5. Just a nudge. Just a little nudge. Okay. Uh, so I, I, you know, I, I think it's watchable, and I think there's definitely so, enough in there that's kind of weird and wacky to at least make it an interesting kind of like 
experiment. Admittedly, I don't know how often I'm going to want to rewatch this one now. Like, I don't know if there's much value <laughs> in going back to it, but I think it's worth at least one watch if you want to like check out the whole series for sure. Yeah, I I, I like watching it. I think it's I think it's still pretty fun to watch, and it's I don't know like the the mutant society you have to see. I, I recommend at least for the first half doing doing something else while you're watching it though because yeah, it will do be your laundry. It'll be a bit boring otherwise, but you know, yeah. Have it in the background while you're cooking food. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or... It's definitely a Saturday morning watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. That is beneath the planet of the apes. If you made it this far in the review, you can put the word alpha. And Omega into the Whoa. into the comments. Alpha and Omega. Alpha Omega, the Doomsday Bomb. The Doomsday Bomb. Uh, put that in the comments uh, to let us know that you can make it to the end. Uh, you can, of course, do a bunch of other stuff. Before anything else, though, I have two things I need to do. One, I have to tell you what's coming next week. And I actually didn't check this in advance, so I'm going to go and open that as I stall for time as I keep talking. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't have anything to say right now. Uh, so, so I can't stop the pro move all right so next week we're actually doing the the recent vote winner from patreon uh which is what happened to monday so we're checking out a netflix movie starring numen rapici seven times <laughs> i have no idea what this is but it's probably bad oh preconceived notions uh, uh task number two tara needs to pose for the thumbnail so oh boy Lean back a little bit, your head, top of your head can't be cut off, or just tilt the camera up, yeah. Whatever uh, fancy, sciencey way you want to do it. And I'm going to count down 3, 2, 1 and say pose, and Tara's going to pose for her part of the thumbnail. I'm so. get my hair out of the way because it's bad for thumbnails for you. More work. It's not actually that bad because the soft brush goes quite well with the hair and you can sort of just oh. rough it out a little bit. You don't have to be as precise. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Three, two, one, pause. <laughs> Does that sum up your feelings in the movie tower? That 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 look there, that yeah. shrugging sort of like yeah, it's a movie. Yeah. Um, I have a smile. <laughs> true, true. Uh, yes, there you go. Uh, you can of course like uh, on YouTube. Liking is very important. It helps us out a lot because it lets the YouTube algorithm know that you think were worth spreading out to other people who might enjoy uh, what must be close to a 90-minute discussion of Beneath the Planet of the Apes. And those people exist. They're out there. And we want to find them. So please do like the uh, like the video on YouTube. Yep. Uh, you can rate the, You can rate the video. Uh, or rate the, the podcast episode. Or rate the podcast itself, I should say, on uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast that we use. That helps out a lot as well. Five stars. Give us a nice positive review. Uh, saying how amazing I am and uh, how dashingly handsome I sound, and uh, just all, all these things, all these things. <laughs> no? I mean, please give a rating of five stars, but then be honest. <laughs> About how dashingly handsome I Yes, I, I agree. <laughs> We're on the same picture. <laughs> uh, so, um, do that. Uh, of course, uh, we mentioned earlier, you can support us via, um, via the monies, is, of course, patreon.com slash TV, and you get some bonuses, of course, so go and have a look at that too. Helps keep all the content coming, uh, and we love you loads if you do that. Uh, Tara, would you like to promote any other piece of Mail Fuzz TV content that you think people should check out? Why, if you're a fan of Planet of the Apes, you're probably a fan of Rod Serling, and guess what? We are doing both the classic and the new Twilight Zone, so go check out those episodes, and 
watch him with us. It's a blast. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm reacting. I'm I'm like why? I'm I'm basically trying to do that thing like a commercial when like they have like an actor and to fake their reaction to like it's such a good deal. <laughs> like oh, that's such good value. <laughs> Two Twilight Zone series at the same time. You bet. Actually, it's, Jonah, it's, it's that scene from Arrested Development where Tobias has been trying to get uh, a commercial and he, he tries the, the, the fire sale line so many times and then Lindsay just shows up and says, wait, so-and-so's having a fire sale? And like, <laughs> we'll hire you. And Tobias is emasculated yet again. <laughs> oh. Tobias is the best character maybe ever. <laughs> hmm, I don't know. That's a debate for another time. But this has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I think it's episode 73. I didn't check, I have but no idea. I think it's episode 73. Uh, bad news, we are planning doing a countdown episode in about a month or so's time. Uh, sometime in August, we're going to record a, a countdown, a top 10, I think. Uh, that should be fun. Yeah, you should see what that's like. Um, so, look forward to that. Uh, otherwise, though, I think that's us. Uh, we're done. So, thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching Science Fiction Guys and Computer. That's Elsa. Glory be to the bomb and to the holy fallout. Amen.